Hey, thank you so much for joining us today at Cowboy Junction Church Online. We're sure glad that you did. We hope that today's message will encourage you and challenge you as you connect passionately with the word that God has specifically for you. Would you do me a big favor, rate, review, and subscribe to this message. Also, I want to let you know that if you would like to connect with Cowboy Junction, get our text messages and with encouragement and announcements, you can do so by texting the word CONNECT to 575-209-2770. You could also rate, review, and subscribe. That sure would be helpful to us. If you would like to partner with Cowboy Junction in the spreading of the gospel by financially giving, you can do so by going to cowboyjunctionchurch.com slash give. I hope you enjoy the message. Hey guys, I want to thank you so much for being here. We're going to kick off this love series. And this series, what we're about to study, is so important to me. And I, I want it to be important to you. Because at Cowboy Junction, we believe that this series will teach us that if you know God, you'll know love. But the only way to know love is to know God. We hope that after this message, you will have a whole new way to view the heart of God and love. So sit back and enjoy. Hey, it's good to see everybody. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, for everybody on our online campus, everybody watching, I just think it's so cool that you're here. Maggie Bean's watching. And let me tell you, that's a big deal. Yeah, Maggie Bean's watching because Maggie Bean last week, my, that's my mom, uh, she uh, had eye surgery, her, her retina tore. And we had to get her to Lubbock really, really fast. And the doctor gave her an instruction. He says, Maggie, you got to lay down on your face for 45 minutes, and then you can get up and walk around for 15 minutes. You have to lay down for 45 minutes on your face and then walk around for 15 minutes for 10 days. Yeah. I'd have just said, take my eye. What does a patch look like? Okay. And so she has been doing it faithfully for 10 days. And the other, yesterday I snickered, really, because I was sitting there in our seat, and I could just see my mom. We got her a massage table. And you know those massage tables that has the hole in it that you put your face in? And then she's got a chair underneath her face that she watches her phone and she uh, has her Bible and kind of stuff. And I got chuckled because this song, like, we sing praises to your name. I could see my mom laying on the table through the hole going, we sing praises to your name. <laughs> and so my mom's done, she's doing a lot better. She's doing great. And uh, Maggie Bean, we're proud of you. You're the toughest woman I know. I could have never made it. So, so good job, Mom. Uh, today we're in a series called The Love Series. This is a big deal for us. If you're here and you're like, hey, I just came tonight because someone invited me, uh, you came on a great night. Um, but we've been talking about this for the last several weeks. What is love? And a lot of us have a definition of what love is. But there's this one little portion of the Bible. It's found in 1 Corinthians. It's authored by Paul. Paul's one of the big dynamos of the New Testament, okay? Uh, Paul's a great dude. He really is a cool dude. A fantastic story of how God turned his life around. And, and honestly, if, if you're one of those people that says, man, it's, it's a wonder lightning hasn't struck in the fact that I'm in church right now. You've got nothing on Paul. I'm telling you right now. And when Jesus spoke to him, it turned his life completely around. And he became one of the greatest authors and champions of the New Testament believer. And we read a lot of the things that he wrote down. And one of the things he wrote down is he was writing to the church of Corinth. And that's why they call it 1 Corinthians, the first of two letters. And so Paul's writing, and he says this one little thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that he basically gives us the definition of love. 
Uh, I mean, he's specific. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not boastful. Love is not arrogant. Love is not rude. Love keeps no record of wrong. And he goes down the list. And, and we've kind of come to the end of this series. We've got this weekend, and we've got next weekend. And, and I just want you to kind of know that if this is something that you didn't get to hear the other messages, you can listen to them. You can listen to the Cowboy Junction app. You can download it and, and watch every one of them. You can also go to our website, cowboyjunctionchurch.com, and watch it there. Our podcasts on iTunes are really great. But um, this is, I'm just kind of catching you up a little bit. And we're going to, I'm going to show you some things today. And the reason why love is such a big deal and why Paul's definition of love is such a big deal is from one belief that we have is that God is love. Okay? Now, let me tell you why that's a big deal. Because when Paul's given the definitions of what is love, he's also telling us the personality of what God is. And that's a big deal for me. And just like Leslie said a minute ago, she said, when Ty spoke this for the first time and I heard it, and she's, she's telling the story, it changed my whole view of how God was. I grew up in church, and I grew up with some believers, and I grew up with some good people, but I don't know where I got off in, in my idea of how I saw God, but I got off in a bad way. I love the Lord with all of my heart, but I couldn't, I couldn't be any more terrified of him than how I remember being a young man and seeing God. And for some of you, you think, well, how could you be terrified of God? I'm going to tell you, I, and I mean this with all respect, but I saw God as an abusive father, and, which means I loved him with all my heart, but I always saw God with his hand reared back, ready to pop me in the side of the head hard. And I walked all through life loving him, worshiping him, telling him how awesome he was. I sing praises to your name. Oh, God. But I always felt like God was just sitting there looking at his watch going, how long does it take you to get this? Come on, kid. Come on. Other people have got it a lot faster than you. Come on. I saw God as impatient. I saw God as not kind. I saw God as that guy that just wanted to shake me up, and I deserved it. I remember thinking like an abused child. Dad did it because he loved me. Dad beat me up because he loved me. I, I did something wrong, and, 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 and I, I pushed Dad too far. A child should never have to say that about his father. And, and a friend sat me down one day, and he said, Do you realize how you see God is not healthy? And he brought up what I've been bringing up to you for the last several weeks. He read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to me about what is love. And I realized I knew more and had a greater relationship with evil and I actually did with our Father in Heaven and the Kingdom of God. And I had to be completely reprogrammed. And, and then I read scriptures that were amazing to me. If God is for you, who can be against you? I read the most amazing scriptures that, that he was a good shepherd who led his sheep. He loved his kids. And he'll lead you by the paths of living water. He'll restore your soul. Uh, the scriptures began to come alive to me because I, I all of a sudden began to worship and, and know my real Father in heaven, and it changed me forever. And so we're going to jump in. Last week we had the negatives. Uh, negatives not in their bad, but Paul gives these negatives. It's like looking at an old picture. Uh, a picture comes in a positive, and a picture comes in a negative. It's the complete opposite of what, a, what you took a picture of, and it's how they make more pictures. And so Paul, in his creative writing, he talks about what love isn't so that we could then examine what love is. Okay, and that's where we left off. But today I'm going to cover five things. Okay, 
And we're going to wrap this up with a little touch-up at the end that Paul throws in there. And it really ties it all together. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, okay, verse 6, this is what we left off with last week. <clears throat> is that love does not rejoice in iniquity. Okay? And, and iniquity is, is, is wrong. It, it's evil. It, it, it's when someone stubs their toe, messes up, does something wrong. Love does not rejoice when someone gets what they deserve. Now, I just want to be very clear on that. And we covered it a little bit last, this, last week. Love doesn't sit there and go, good, I'm glad you got what you deserve, you sorry dog. You, you, you sowed that seed, I'm glad you're getting to eat that harvest. And sometimes we rejoice when bad things happen to bad people. But let me just tell you, our Father in Heaven doesn't. And let me tell you why He doesn't. Because that's His kid. And the same way that a real dad would never ever celebrate his son or his daughter making poor choices and poor choices and poor choices, knowing that it was going to lead to a poor experience, a bad experience. And when the bad happens, you don't see a good dad saying, gosh, I'm glad that happened. It literally breaks a dad's heart. Now take that to the level of how do you feel when your father knows that the path you're leading on is not his best, finally comes to the dead end that he knew was going to happen. But instead of even rejoicing in iniquity, this is where we kick off today. Love rejoices in the truth. And the reason why that's such a big deal and it's something that I want to really lean in today and, and, and talk to you about is we all need to be champions of when people get an opportunity to turn around. Let's just think about this for a minute. We need to be champions of, of, of the kind of person that can actually back everybody up. Everybody who wants to jump down somebody, throw their finger at somebody, say, you sorry, dog. We want to be the champions that can push the crowd back and be the ones to say, oh, my gosh, I think it's actually going to happen today. And truth gets a chance. Too often, we give up on people way too soon. Okay? And this is the heart of our Father, in that our Father in heaven, your Father in heaven, never gives up on people. Let me say this real quick. God loves, let me say it again, God loves it when truth gets a chance to come to a real harvest. God loves it when truth gets a chance to come to a real, real harvest. We're coming up on spring. It's about time to start putting some seed in the ground. For all the gardeners out here, we gotta, you got to start getting your act together. Well, we got to start breaking some ground, rototilling. we got to figure out our sprinkler system. you got to start figuring out where you're going to put stuff. you got to get some good soil in there. The time is coming. Some people are getting excited about we're fixing to plant a, a, a harvest. But let me just tell you, you could have the worst garden experience in the room, and you know enough to know this. There isn't anybody in the room who can take their favorite seed and put it in the ground on Tuesday and expect there to be a harvest on Wednesday. Yeah. Come on, let's think about this. And there isn't anybody in the room that would expect that to happen. And the same thing goes for truth. We sometimes expect people to change instantly or to change quickly. But can I just be honest? Love believes that truth is going to win someday. Let me be really honest. There's some people in the room right now 
that someone, even through your worst choices in life, kept believing for God's best for your life. And I'm one of them. Even through your worst choices, somebody, somebody looked past every mistake you've ever made and kept turning to the Father and kept believing God for your salvation. I'll give you an example real quick. Um, there, you would expect, and I, I expect, that, um, that there's some things that I could pray for and just get it. But can I be honest with you that some of my closest friends, some people that have been in my life for the longest time, they took forever to see them finally make a turn and start following Jesus. And I'll give you an example real quick. When I was 17 years old, I was a senior in high school, Artesia High School, right down the road. And um, we had a, a, an amazing FCA group. FCA stands for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, there was about 300 kids that went to the Artesia FCA uh, a, a group. And it was fantastic. It was incredible. And by the time I became a senior and an actual leader in the group, we were so good, we ran it down to 17 people. <laughs> yeah, no joke. And a big part of it, and this is where we, we lost a lot of kids. We went from 300 to 17 in a, in a three-year period because there was this little group that started up of my best friends that called themselves the SAFCA, the Students Against Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And it wasn't that they were against God. They were just punks. That's a, come on, you, you know what I'm talking about. You were one. And, and, and they were just punks. They were just cocky little kids, little seniors in high school who, who had glass packs on their trucks. That was cool back in the 90s, by the way. Glass packs on their trucks and, 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 and beer in the refrigerator. And, 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 and they, they, on Wednesday night, they didn't have anything else to do at 8 o'clock at night but just go raid the vehicles at the FCA group. Well, I, I was the leader. And they thought it was even funnier that Bean's in there. And, and they had this van. Brent had this van that you could push on the gas pedal and rev the engine up. And it hit the top and it would go pow! And it would just backfire as loud as could, could be. And here's what they would do. We would be inside and we would be praying and we'd be talking about Jesus and we'd be talking about how God is going to use us. And outside, they had honey and uh, maple syrup and flour. And you know, we, we had antennas back then. We had antennas on our truck. Okay, that was a joke. And, and they, would hang, they would hang things all over our antennas and, and, and shoe polish our, our, our car. And what they didn't know is while they were out there having such a great time, we were inside, and I, I, was, I was believing God for my friends. And I'd go outside. I, we'd leave, and I'd go out there. I'd go to my truck. They'd put, shoe polish the most awful things you ever had on your, on your car. And they'd pour some syrup on your car. And they'd pour honey on your car. And, and I would unlock my truck and I would reach in. I, you'd have to dig through all kinds of stuff on your, on, on your door open, the handle, just to get in. You'd get in. And I remember. Here's what I remember. I never, ever, ever remember giving up on those guys. This is my personal story. Now, some of you are, are sitting here going, I'd have kicked their... Okay, well, stop right there. Okay. <laughs> But that's just it. What if I did? What if I got mad? What if I just cornered them in the locker room and just pinned them against the wall? What if it meant that every prayer I ever prayed for them, I couldn't change them? I mean, think about it real quick. I couldn't change them. But I knew the God who could. 
And I remember sitting in the parking lot one night, and it was just a bad night. I just remember thinking, this is getting crazy. And I said, God, I, I'm fixed to be done. And he turns to me and he says, Ty, if you're not in their life, if you're not in their life, then who's the other Jesus that is going to be in their life? You are the only Jesus that is ever going to be in their life. And for years, I just go to the car wash and wash the, the honey off. And they think it was the funniest thing. They think it was the funniest thing. And they remain some of my best friends. Now, why do I tell you that story? Because none of them got saved in high school. In fact, all of them went to college and none of them got saved at college. In fact, all through life, they did their thing. I did my thing. But they didn't follow Jesus. But we remained great friends. And it was this last year, 2020, that one of the ones that I still consider this day one of my best friends in life, one of those guys that I can remember intertubing down the Peniasco River with this guy when we were six or seven years old. And we showed animals together and we grew up together. And he called me. And his marriage was going through hell, going through complete hell. It was like we talked every other day for at least an hour. <clears throat> and I was able to say things to him <clears throat> about truly surrendering your life to Christ Jesus. And why do I tell you that? Because we graduated in 1991, and it wasn't until 2020 that he finally gave God a chance. That's a long, long time to believe for someone's salvation. Come on. This is just my story. I remember I had him on the phone. And, and he, he's in bad shape in, 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 in Texas somewhere. And, and I, I, I'm just leading him to the Lord. And I'm praying the sinner's prayer with him. And I'm praying with him. And all inside of my heart, it's like leaping and jumping. And I can't believe this is happening. And let me just turn to you and say, do you want to see more truth? You might have to get a little bit willing to wait. And however long it's going to take. And however long it's going to take for love to bring truth to finally see the harvest. Tuesday night, Heather and I talked on our Tuesday night with Ty and Heather on Instagram. It's a live thing that we do. You ought to turn in. It's really good. Uh, if nothing else, you get to look at Heather, and that's great. And uh, so here we are, and we're on it, and, and a lady asked a question. She goes, how long should I wait for my husband? And we opened up a scripture, wait for her husband for salvation. And we opened up a scripture that said, listen, you don't realize, you being there for your husband is for, for, for many people the only Jesus Husbands are going to see. Wives, be faithful. Wives, be faithful. <clears throat> do you believe? Do you believe that love's truth will actually stand the test of time? I mean, let's think about it for a minute. And, and, and for me, I have seen it take place. When you give love a chance, when you're willing to wait for real harvest to come, don't be the person that sits there and prays, and if it doesn't happen, we just give up. Sometimes you got to dig in. Sometimes you got to go deep. You got to get into your bootstraps and you got to you got to get on your knees and you got to believe and you keep believing and you keep believing. Love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. But love rejoices in the truth. And then Paul says this. this is a fun little thing Paul says 
Paul says love can bear all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love endures through all things. Now with this, we want to just cover a few things. One of them is this. Can love really bear everything? Meaning, can it really carry everything? We believe that love is worth waiting on. Trust, truth is worth waiting on. But can love really carry everything? Let me just tell you real quick. I have seen love in the form of our Father in heaven say, Tybean, I love you, and if you let me carry that, I'm going to carry it for you. Uh, yesterday I shared a story uh, on this, and, and let me just tell you, it doesn't feel good all the time. Uh, a lot of people in the room are like, well, I'm ready for him to carry some stuff. But let me just tell you, we talked about correction in this series. Let me tell you one quick story. Um, I have had to apologize to people that I didn't want to apologize to. If you've ever had to give an apology, and let me just tell you, you get older and you think, I'm never doing that again until God knocks on your heart. And God turns to you and says, do you know I love you? And I said, yes, there's no doubt I love you. And he goes, I need you to go apologize. And you go, God, I can't do that. I mean, you want to talk about how embarrassing? You want to talk about how awful? God, I can't do that. And he turns to me and he says this. He goes, I'll carry it if you let me. Well, how are you going to carry an apology? And he goes, why don't you just ask me? Would you show me how to apologize? And so I give it to him. And he says, I'll, I'll carry the weight, but you've got you've to know. I'll carry the weight if you do exactly what I tell you to do. First of all, we walk in love. No joke. This is how it went. I didn't even know where to start with an apology. But I believe that God loved me. I knew I could trust him, meant I could believe him, and my faith could grow. And he said, okay, first step. Here you go. I got this, but you just need to trust me. Pick up your keys. Now, that's basic right there. But honestly, I was thinking more of a text, and what the heck is he having me pick up my keys for? But he said, just pick up your keys. Now, this is easy to do. He's carrying the weight. I'm thinking, okay, I'll pick up my keys. He goes, okay, let's go jump in the truck. So I went and jumped in the truck. I start in the truck. This isn't even my idea. This is just God revealing things to me. So I start the truck. He goes, okay, drive to his office. Drive to his office. He goes, I got this. You just do what I'm telling you to do. And so I put it in reverse, and I back out, and I take off driving. I think, God, he's not going to be there. He's not going to be there. He's not going to see me. And he goes, you're going to sit there, and I'm going to sit with you until we're going to see him. And we pull in, and I walk up, and he's with me the whole time. I'm not even carrying this. I'm just going by, by step by step by step of what God's telling me to do. I go in. They can't see me right now. Okay, look, I'm going to just wait. Okay, I end up waiting for two hours. But I'm just doing what God told me to do. The guy sees me. Where do you start? You know what? Here's, here's an interesting thing. Most people don't know how to apologize. Most people's apology looks like this. It's an excuse. I did this because. And, and God, I, I just said, God, you're going to have to show me what to say. So while I'm waiting for two hours, he's coaching me on what a good apology looks like. And when I walk in, I said, hey, thanks for seeing me. Number one, I want you to know what I did was wrong. Number two, I hope you can forgive me. Number three, I'm really, really sorry. And I said, now what? And God goes, you can go home. This may look like the easiest thing in the whole world, and you're like, Ty, this is dumb. What's interesting is most of us never do stuff like that because the burden is way too heavy. But you need to hear today that whatever it is that you're afraid to do, 
God is ready to carry your burden for you and walk you through exactly what love would do in that situation. So when it says, love rejoices in the truth, but love can also bear all things. It's telling you this. There's nothing too big in this room that God is going to turn to you and say, whoa, 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 whoa. That's just too big for me. Can't do that one. God will show you how to forgive if you let him. God will show you how to dream if you let him. God will show you how to live if you let him. God will show you and he will carry your burdens if you will let him. Second, third thing Paul says here, and I think it's really good, love hopes in all things. And one of the things that I really want you to understand in this is that love hopes in the form of um, wanting as much for someone else as you want for yourself. And let me tell you, Lee County, New Mexico and West Texas can be one of the most selfish places on the planet. But what if love got a chance to really flex its muscles? You know, every one of you have got a love muscle. It's not that one. It's the love muscle, okay? <laughs> it's this big old thing inside of you. I wish I had that one back. Wow. That was... <laughs> See what you learn on Monday night? Gosh, this gets good. You need to allow your heart to be stretched. What if you started loving people as much as you love yourself? It's, it's seriously, seriously one of these things. I'm, I'm talking about agape love. Agape love that's different than you loving pizza. It's love in the form that's pure. It's love that's sacrificial, which means you're willing to take less to see somebody else go further and farther. It's one of the most fun things about life when you can celebrate somebody else's victories and success. It's agape love when someone lifts somebody up. It's another type of love that's beyond anything of love most of the world knows. It's a higher, greater good type of love. It's believing in all circumstances, always. See, one of the things I want you to get today, when you look at all of these things that love rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, it can almost seem like love is blind. And can and be honest with you, love isn't blind. It actually is able to see more because it's able to see less. Okay, let me show you real quick. You ready? You're able to see more in people because you choose to see less of everything they've ever done in life and actually narrow down to everything God sees about them. You know, when babies are born, daddies don't care about the color of their hair, how many toes. I mean, everybody's like, count the toes, count the fingers. Honestly, that's my kid. You're able to see less you choose to see less because you see more than just the amount of toes on their feet or the color of their hair. And let me tell you, that goes for every person in this room. Please don't miss this. Please don't miss this. How do you love people? You do it how God does it. He's able to see all the things they are by seeing less of what they've done in life. Think about salvation. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to go to church. It's a free gift for just believing in him. And he says, I don't care what you've done. 
Do you not know that ever since you were born, I created you and I have the great things? And every time I see you, I see more because I choose to see less. And sometimes we're not able to love people because we just see everything they've ever done and everything they've ever said. And we knew their first wife and we knew their second wife and we knew. And if we could just see what God sees, we could actually see more by seeing less. Next time you want to love someone, you should start with, God, you're going to have to show me what it is you love about them. I don't know how many times I've done that. And he has. The next thing it says, love endures in all things. Honestly, we've got to get to the point where we believe that love actually can persevere through anything. Sometimes we don't give love a chance because it seems so weak. But in honesty, love perseveres through anything. It can endure through it all. It can make it through it all. There is nothing bigger than God's love. I'm reading a book called Fox's Books of Martyr. I, I read it every now and then. It's, it's not enjoyable reading. It's just serious reading. It's actually a, a subject I don't ever encourage anybody to read. But as a pastor, I have to just kind of keep my eyes focused on the main thing. Fox's Books of Martyrs is a book that's actually about the historical journey of the New Testament church as they walked through the world hating them so much they killed them because no other reason than they preached Jesus. And it's these amazing martyrs who, who just believed God and walked through the most difficult situations of people who said, we're going to kill you, if you, but we won't kill you if you, do not, if you just tell us you don't believe in God anymore. And they wouldn't do it. And a lot of people would read it and they would go, this is awful. Shouldn't God be protecting his people? But did you all know that even Jesus died so that we could have life the great thing about fox books of martyrs it doesn't stop with the person's death it begins to show you how that person's death affected somebody's life somewhere and all throughout the fox book of martyrs book the people who actually did the killing ended up accepting christ one day because of something they saw in that person's life who gave their life for christ it, it's hard to even fathom or wrap your brain around. How can me dying for Christ actually be beneficial? And let me just tell you, I'm not volunteering, okay? But it is this amazing story of how love continues to endure even to the people who don't deserve love. And maybe you've got people like that in your own life. Maybe someone did something awful to you. God would turn to you and say, I know how you feel. Wait, how does God know how you feel? Are you kidding? Every day, the creator of the universe is denied by people who are his actual creations. And you know what God keeps doing? He keeps on loving. I've had to learn to love people who didn't love me. And that's one of the beautiful things about God being love. He'll show you how to do it too. The last and final thing that Paul says is this. Love never fails. 
I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, with all honesty, complete truth from me to you, love has never disappointed me. Patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, not keeping a record of somebody's wrong, learning how to forgive, walking in grace, walking in mercy, seeking my Father and asking Him, what do I do? How do I do it how you would do it? It has never let me down. Love has always been the answer because God has always been the answer. Love has always been the truth because our Father has always been the truth. And I know for some in the room, you've been told at some point in your life, this is just corny talk, and it's not. I have put my head on my pillow and got the deepest night's sleep I have ever had while outside so many things were waging against me. But I knew God was in control, and if God be for me, who can be against me? I've had people that I had absolutely every right in the world to have resentment and disappointment in them and hate them and be justified for it. And God said, if you'll give me that, I'll give you life. And I did. And I can't say overnight my flesh wanted to keep it. My flesh wanted to hold on to it. But every day I kept giving it to God until all of a sudden I built up this rhythm of we're going to go God's direction. Uh, Clay has this saying that I, I love, Clay Harden. He, he, Clay needs to write a book, and it needs to be Clay one-liners. Where Tuffy Cooper left off, Clay Harden could take off, okay? And Clay turns to me a lot of times, and he says, Ty, it's just a dog barking at a freight train. Like, that is so true. How many of us would throw the brakes, rip, rip the gears, throw the train in reverse, put on the, the gas pedal just to get back to a dog that was barking at us. And Clay reminds us, keep going. And the way we keep going and the way we keep believing is we've got to know that love, love is the answer. And love never fails. Now, i got a few minutes, okay? How am I doing so far? Am I doing okay? It got real quiet. I don't see anybody sleeping so I just think you're listening, okay? Oh, I, I mean, after the whole love thing a minute ago, the, the muscle deal, I'm, I'm just surprised we rebounded after that, but we're going to keep going. Okay, here we go. There's some last and final things we want to talk about, okay? Because Paul says this. He says, guys, where there is prophecy, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, prophecy is this moment to where you're actually speaking from the throne room of God to his creations. Where there is prophecy, they will fail. Where there are tongues, that's a big deal. That's a gift of the Spirit right there. Uh, they will cease. And where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. And it gives all of these very sacred things that Paul says, don't be surprised if these things disappear. But then he goes on, he says this, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Do y'all know that one day, all of the gifts of the Spirit won't be necessary anymore? Because we will be standing in heaven 
where the King of kings and the Lord of lords is. We don't need prophecy because he's going to be speaking to us right there from the throne. We don't need tongues because we're all going to be speaking heavenly language in heaven. We won't need knowledge anymore because we're going to be surrounded by knowledge. But you know what's going to stand the test? Love is still going to be there. He goes on. Let me say this real quick. Jesus' return eliminates all these things because of his presence. Until then, love never fails. But then he talks about this in a little sense of, of maturity. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. One of the things that Paul's saying here is he said the maturity that I'm referring to is at some point you've got to grow up and let love take a hold of your life. It is childish to keep holding on to the bitterness and anger and the resentment and the fear that you keep holding on to when love our Father wants to give you life and life more abundantly. It's very childish to keep looking at God as an abusive father. When maturity would say, there has not been one thing in my life. There have been confusing things. There's been frustrating things. There's things I got questions about. But my God has been consistent even when I wasn't consistent. And Paul's saying, give love a chance if you ever really want to grow up. But then he says this, you see dimly, but it will make sense completely someday when you stand before the Father. Here's my point. One day Jesus will explain it all to you. Yeah. One day Jesus will explain it all to you, but right now, maturity is necessary and love never fails. Love never fails. And then Paul wraps it up with this. And now abide, there's faith, there's hope, and there's love. Think about those three things. In our lives, we will always have these three things to strive for. May your faith in God always grow. May your hope for everything he can do also be limitless. And may your love, your love for him, your love for yourself, and your love for others constantly grow. May your knowledge of God and love grow. But then he says this. But these three, but the greatest of these is love. Which is pretty stinking cool when you think about it. It means that you may someday struggle with your faith. And there may be moments that hope is like, why? Why hope? But if we lose those two, but we can still lean into the personality of our Father in heaven, which is love. Love that never fails. A God that never fails. A God who is the solid rock of truth. A God that can bear all things. A God that believes in you and believes in any situation. His way is always better. A God that hopes in all situations, endures through all things, who never fails. If we can do that, we have what really matters. Faith, hope, and love. 
but the greatest of these is love. Yeah. I'm going to do something to close. And uh, if you're looking for a Bible to read, one of my favorite Bibles is the Message Bible. It's a translation that's just a, it, basically the translation, Message Bible, is just a good old country boy translation. Okay? I don't recommend it if you're taking Bible classes. I don't recommend it if you really want to dive deep. Uh, this is just one of those, put it in a different phrase, terminology for me so I can really understand it. I love the Message Bible. And everything that we just read, let me read it to you in the Message Bible, and maybe it'll just kind of click something for you. Okay? Here we go. We don't see things clearly. There's not one person who has the ability to see things clearly clearly we're all squinting in a fog we're all peering through a mist but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright and we'll see it all then we'll see it all as clearly as God sees us right now knowing him directly just as he knows us but for now until that completeness we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation. Steadily trust in God. Come on, guys. We got to keep stretching towards the Father. Steadily trust in God. We got to hope unswervingly. And we got to learn how to love extravagantly. And the best of these is love. And love never fails. I don't know where you are today but here's my hope i hope in us talking about what is love you now have a bigger sense of what your father in heaven is like he's not the abusive father he's not he's not sitting there with his hand cocked ready to frap you on the side of the head uh, and that abusive child that you may have inside of you that just says, well, I deserve it. I deserve it. I deserve it. Stop it. Stop it. There isn't anyone who would ever look at somebody and say, well, yeah, you know, he needs to hit you harder next time. We may feel that, but honestly, down in our hearts, none of us want anybody to feel that. What do we want? Abuse never changed anyone. And it's not going to change you either. Abuse isn't going to get you to follow God. But love will. And maybe there's just this old hard-heartedness about you. That it is so hard to let love in. But can I encourage you that you can't do it. You're going to have to allow the Father to show you how. Here's what you say. Dad. I mean, who would have thought about that? Dad. I am so sick of living like this. If you're real, and I know you are, down in my heart, I know you are. Will you show me that you love me? And maybe it's just this real quick, like Ty prayed at the beginning of the message. Maybe we should just say thank you. Maybe we should just stop and allow him to show us how he's never, he's never not been there. But if you'll give him a chance and just say, Father, show me what love is. 
it will change your heart and you will see that life life has opportunities that you never knew it was there until you search the father's heart to know how he wants you to live love in this world that we live in next week I'm going to tell you the greatest story. Next to the story of Jesus, I'm going to tell you what some literature professors consider the greatest short story of all time, even secular. It's the story of the prodigal son. And everything we've talked about in the last several weeks is going to come down to one story next week. It's about a dad who has two sons. And these two sons are completely opposite. But the father is one of the most consistent men ever found in literature. And what he does and what he teaches and what he says, it's, it, it, the story is a parable from Jesus to show us what the father's heart is like. But even if you should make dumb mistakes or even if you should be self-righteous, how the father turns back and says, come on, let me show you how I love So I'll throw in something, too. If you come back next week, we're going to have donuts here. Yeah. We're going to have, what, what's the uh, Baja Grill? Baja Grill is going to be here. And what's the coffee place? Vagabond Coffee. And so they're like, hey, I don't even like Ty's preaching, but I'm hungry, okay? <laughs> if this just kind of sparks something in you, I want you to listen to it again. Go back to our podcast, listen to it again. Listen to the other messages, too. But next week, we're going to wrap this whole thing up with the story of the prodigal son.